Welcome to the Real Los Angeles Podcast. I'm your host, Northeast Los Angeles Raider. That is N-E-L-A Raider coming at you live from Los Angeles, California. As always, this is your podcast for your Raiders, Dodgers, Lakers, Kings. Usually, we go off and start with Raider news because this is LA Raider Nation's exclusive podcast. However, today we got a lot to talk about because Magic Johnson, yes, Magic Johnson was on first take. So we got a lot to talk about with your Los Angeles Lakers. So let's get right into this. Former president of basketball operations and Lakers legend Magic Johnson was on first take today. He was right there with Stephen A. Smith, Max, and the rest of the crew. Now, to get right into this, Magic spoke on what happened with his departure from the Lakers, Jeannie Buss, why the job wasn't quote-unquote fun for him anymore. But more than anything, the biggest thing that stood out was that Magic Johnson put Rob Palinka on blast, to say the least. He put Rob Palinka on the spot. He threw him under the bus. I don't know if you want to call it under the bus. Because, and that is not a pun. But he definitely addressed what was being said. And all the behind the scenes stuff that was happening during the time of his decision to walk off. And walk out on the Lakers as president. Of basketball operations. So. Today he was on first take. And they asked him what happened. Why did he. Essentially leave the Lakers. Organization. And mind you guys. Magic Johnson doesn't have to be. Employed by the Lakers. To still run. And do things for the Lakers. Organization. Which he will do. And I'm sure he will. Now that he can't. He doesn't have to be quote-unquote tampering with free agents and getting fined, (laughs) which he also talked about in the segment with um, First Take. But he was asked what happened with his relationship with the Lakers as far as from an employee standpoint. And Magic talked about how he wanted to fire Luke Walton. Former Laker Luke Walton and now former head coach Luke Walton. And he was given mixed reactions from the owner, Jeannie Buss, who he has a great deal of respect for and has a very personal relationship with off basketball. You know, know, outside of basketball and outside of... uh, you know, just on a personal level, they are very close. He is seen as a brother and a sister kind of a relationship. And so that was a big part of Magic walking away was that he didn't want to hurt or, you know, 
leave Genie Bus out of the loop, which he kind of did, but... Magic, on the other hand, said that the reason why he he left was because Genie Bus didn't want to fire Luke Walton. And how they essentially were going back and forth about, no, don't, don't fire him. And then the next week or a couple days later, okay, let's fire him. And then another day would pass and, well, let's think about this. So a lot of indecisiveness was coming from the organization on their decision to move on from head coach. And he, he essentially said that there was a meeting with, you know, a lot of the top, top heads in the organization. Jeannie Buss, obviously the owner. Magic was in the room. I'm sure Rob Palenka was in the room. And executive Tim Harris was in the room as well. And he was given his opinion about how they should probably give Luke Walton another chance or give him some time to think about it. And essentially, Magic Johnson just felt that too many hands were in the pot. And he essentially told this executive, Mr. Uh, Jim Harris, that I only answer to Jeannie Buss. You know, I'm the president of basketball operations. I was given the freedom and the power to do what I want with anything and all things basketball. So if that means firing the head coach, I should be able to tell my superior, who is the owner, Jimmy B- Jeannie Buss, and let her let her know that I'm going to go ahead and fire said individual, and that should be it. But the fact that other executives and other people in the building, in the in the office, in the front office, were essentially wanted their hands in the pot that. This isn't what Magic had signed up for. And things were not fun for him anymore. Now, let's look at it from an outside point of view, guys. Realistically speaking, does Magic Johnson have to have a job? I mean, he's already running your Los Angeles Dodgers as, you know, part ownership. And he's doing a heck of a job. But... This man, Magic Johnson, doesn't have to do anything. He's If Los Angeles was its own country, <laughs> this man would probably be president. <laughs> Let's just be real. At least from a sports point of view. He is loved in Los Angeles. No one can really mess with or step on the guy. I mean, us Angelinos, especially sports... Sports fans in in Los Angeles, we love Magic Johnson dearly. But what I was trying to get at was that he doesn't need to have this job, let alone any job. He's, He's well off and he was just trying to help out with the basketball side of things. And I think he just got caught up in all the politics behind, whether it be the tampering, whether it be other people having say in 
who he wants to fire, who he wants to keep, who he wants to trade, who he wants to try to acquire. You know, the man was just trying to do his job that he got hired for. But the biggest piece of this puzzle, I should say, or this dilemma that happened was that ESPN also, I mean, uh, first take, Stephanie Smith said, whoa, 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 let's back up a little bit because you had brought up, and he did bring up that he felt betrayed and he was being backstabbed. Now, that was something that we haven't got into yet in this segment. You know, he was just basically saying about the Luke, Luke Walton firing and other people having a say-so. But one thing that occurred right from the get-go was uh, Rob Palinka, who is the GM. Him and Rob Palinka weren't that tight, that close. And Rob Palinka was being told, was, excuse me, he was telling other people within the organization that Magic's essentially not doing his job and he's not inside of the office enough. And Magic said it was all fun and games up until it went outside of the organization, went outside of the front office, and people were letting him know, hey, Rob Palenka is after you. Essentially, he wants your job. That... What it all came down to, folks, was the fact that Rob Palinka was accusing Magic of not doing his job. He was probably on some sort of a high horse saying that I'm over here doing everything in the front office while this guy's uh, stealing up the limelight in Los Angeles, taking up all the credit while he's just smiling and he's not doing enough. And yes, that is kind of a backstabbing kind of a moment because, you know, essentially, would, would you want something that's happening inside of work come outside of work and everyone's telling you about how, hey, so-and-so is saying that you're not doing your job at, at the workplace? Then it's not a workplace kind of a situation. It's becoming a uh, personal situation personal situation and when it all comes down to it guys when you all when we really look at it for what it's worth and for what it really is uh Rob Palenko essentially what Magic was trying to get to was that he wanted his job he wanted to be head of basketball operations which was fine and like Stephen A. Smith had pointed out that you know, maybe it's a little bit of Kobe's fault for endorsing Rob Palenka and saying that this is the guy that you guys should believe in as far as the GM and he's going to get the Lakers right. But I also believe that whatever Stephen A. Smith was trying to allude to with the Mamba endorsing uh, Rob Palenka, it also came with the territory with, you know, Magic's a part of this. So... For what it's worth, guys, it's it's just a lot of he said, she said kind of a thing that's kind of irrelevant at this point. But they just wanted to see what Magic had to say about the quote-unquote backstabbings and the betrayals that, were, that was happening. But Magic kind of, you know, showed a lot of class and was just like, you know what, man? At the end of the day, 
I was only going to be here for about three years. So, essentially, he was trying to, to groom and ease uh, Rob Palinka's promotion to become the bas- head of basketball operations. Rob Palinka was going to get the job. You know, he was going to promote and he was getting groomed by Magic to take his place when he's gone. And I don't know if it was just an ego type thing. Who knows what it really was behind closed doors. What it, what happened, happened. Um, too many hands were in the pot, he said. The Rob Palenka issue. Possibly even the tampering, you know, possibly him going after free agents and getting fined or barely spa- barely saying their names in interviews and, you know, the NBA's kind of strict about all that kind of stuff and at the end of the day, guys, it's just something that uh, magic, it led to magic not having fun anymore. And if he's not having fun anymore, and this is just a job, just to have a job, he doesn't need the job, like I said. And, you know, that's what it all came down to. That's what the drama came down to, guys. But for the most part, he did leave the interview with First Take on a good note when he was, when they started asking him LeBron questions. You know, as we all know, LeBron's still on the team and he's going to be with the team for at least the next two, three years. At least. He signed a four, I think a three-year, four-year deal. And, you know, we're going to have LeBron for a while unless we quote-unquote trade him because those are one of the rumors happening. But Magic Johnson himself during the interview was asked... I forgot by either Max or Stephanie Smith if he thought the rumors were true about LeBron getting traded. And he laughed. He straight out laughed as soon as he said that. He said, quote, it's not going to happen. I didn't expect it to. You know, I heard about the Ben Simmons trade a couple days ago. And, you know, as enticing as that might be because he's a younger star. Uh, you know, we're essentially trading the best player in basketball for a young, a young, promising Ben Simmons. But is he really going to pan out the long term? We don't know. So, proven winner that could probably bring us a championship as as opposed to a young star who hasn't necessarily proved himself and has brought a championship to any team. That's where I'm leading it off. And uh, he he ended he pretty much ended the, the segment with saying that LeBron has a chance to bring a championship to Los Angeles with any of these free agents. He said the young core is promising Kuz, uh, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo. He said that LeBron has essentially brought up the character and the morale and even the basketball skills and has just made the young core better. And 
he said that Magic said that all we're missing is another free agent to pair up with LeBron, and we're right there. We're right back in it. He also brought up the Warriors and how everyone else in the Western Conference find in the Western Conference is essentially on the same level. The only really, 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 really good team, the only great team, is the Warriors. And that's who the Lakers have to set their eyes on, on beating. So, with that said, guys, you know, Magic has still praised LeBron and said that LeBron has the, the chance, the opportunity to bring a championship to the Lakers. You know, I was also hearing a lot of rumors about, you know, the fans getting frustrated throughout the years and more so this season, this off season, I should say, and how they want Jeannie Buss to get rid of her piece of ownership. I don't know, guys. I think we've been kind of spoiled as Laker fans to think that we deserve a championship every single year when we've won. We, we've dominated the last decade, last two decades. You know, and even before that with Magic and Showtime, you know, we're we're pretty spoiled. (laughs) LA basketball fans, we are spoiled. And then we still got the Clippers, you know, for what that's worth. You know, they're a young team that's getting their act together. All they look like they need is a star to really, and it might be Kawhi. But as far as uh, my actual take on Magic being on first take with Stephen A. Smith and the crew. I thought it was a really good uh, segment. And it was good to see from the outside. From behind the scenes, I should say. From behind the scenes about the uh, drama that unfolded. The uh, the little moves that he did make when he was the pre- president of basketball operations. Whether it was... Crafting Kuz and Lonzo and bringing in LeBron. and It's going to be interesting to see if hindsight being 2020, you know, if somehow, some way we did get a championship out of all this. LeBron does bring a championship to Los Angeles like most of us would want, but it would be funny and ironic and completely... Laughable if in sometime in the near future that all happens and we're just Laker fans tripping about nothing. But we'll have to wait and see. But that's all I have for the Lakers, guys. I'm going to digress into the Dodgers. As you all may know, we uh, the Dodgers had a vic- victory this yesterday. Against Cincinnati, it was 8-3. to three. And we win the series against the Cincinnati Reds. The Dodgers are on fire. Cody Ballinger has been on fire. But let's address the elephant in the room. The one man that was on fire this past series. In the past couple series. To be... To be... 
completely honest with you. The man with, you know, scoreless innings and just on the mound and just on fire, to say the least. Hunjin Ryu. Now, is Ryu taking Kershaw's place as, you know, our number one pitcher? I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, let's be completely honest. Kershaw hasn't really shown up this season. And last season, he was, you know, it seemed like he was deteriorating even in the uh, World Series. And I'm, I love Kershaw. I think that Kershaw is our guy, but as of lately, we all know that, you know, going forward, that, you know, it might be Bueller. But as of right now, the guy who's on fire, the guy who seems to be just killing it is Hun Jin Ryu. He's on he's on fire on the mound, guys, and he he had a no-hitter into the eighth inning against the Nationals last series. And this series, he had seven Seven scoreless innings against the Reds. You know. he He's doing really, really well. I'm glad that he's having a, a comeback year, so to speak. He had a, an earned run. Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> he had a ERA of... 1.52 and he's just killing it Dodgers record right now they are 31 and 17 first in the NL West again we are in uh we're in May we got the whole season to still kind of unfold we're getting into summer once we pass summer for the next three four months if we could keep this momentum and keep that fire lit with the young guys and, and even Hunjin, Justin Turner, you know, all all the the entire team, if they could keep this momentum up, we should be poised to at least take the division again. Even that's kind of bold considering how we did last year, but then again, every year is a new year. You know, we're 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 kind of ahead because I think you know we're we're thirty one wins, seventeen losses, and I believe the next the team right below us is the Arizona Diamondbacks, and they're like twenty five wins, and I forgot how many losses, but they are. You know, that's that's kind of a kind of a gap. You know, if we could keep that gap, you know, the Giants are the laughing stock right now, as well as the uh, Rockies and the, the Padres, you know. But anyhow, guys, uh, that's pretty much what I got for the Dodgers. You know, Dodgers are killing it. And, you know, on to the next series. So with that said, let's go Dodgers, let's go Blue, and... 
Let's continue to kill it. Raiders. Let's get right into Raider news, guys. We need to get into the to Raider news, Raider rumors. Usually I start off the podcast. Every episode usually Raiders first because this is LA Raider Nation's podcast, as I said before. But let's get right into it. I don't even know where to start because there's so much to talk about. We got cuts. We got stadium updates. We got rumors fluctuating with free agents right now. And we also have a little bit of news that I might start off with right now with the NFLPA premiere. Now, the NFLPA premiere was with, with, with rookies and, you know, them taking pictures for cards, for the rookie cards. And it's majority of it is offensive players. I think Nick Bosa was the only one that was on the defense side of the ball that came out in the NFLPA premiere. And our two guys, Hunter Renfro, wide receiver, and running back Josh Jacobs, not only looked really good in their threads, guys. I don't know if you guys have seen... I don't know if you guys have seen the new uh, this year's threads for the, the the NFL jerseys. My only dislike is obviously the newest piece, how they have the 100 next to the NFL logo on the top of the jersey. Other than that, everything's kind of classic, the same. Silver and black, the colors, the jersey, the the, the font, everything is the same. The only difference is that 100 next to the NFL logo, which is all right, I guess. But honestly, guys, I'm going to be honest with you real quick. This is kind of a side note, but we have the best jerseys, the best uniforms in all of, probably all of sports, but especially in the NFL. I know the Chargers like to say their powder blues are number one. I know the Rams like to say that they have the best Uniform and their royal blue and gold, their blue and yellows, the LA colors. But let's be honest, guys. The Raiders, whether they're the Oakland Raiders, Los Angeles Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders, unlike those two teams that I've just mentioned, the Chargers and the Rams, they never really switched up their uniform, their color scheme, for the most part. I mean, I know we could go back in time and talk about how. The Raiders had black and gold in their first, probably not even their first season. I think it was their first season, but I'm not too sure how long the black and gold actually last. Last. Anyhow, just to get out of the uh, uniform segment, <laughs> that I could go on and on about who has the best uniforms and why, but kind of obvious if you're a Raider fan you're gonna think that we have the best uniforms I'm just saying that our rookies looked really good in them that we uh we still got it guys <laughs> we I mean like if I was a football player I know exactly what team I would want to you know play for not only because I'm a fan but Jesus man those that, <laughs> that uh that uniform could go a long way I mean, 
Jerry Rice even said when he came over from San Francisco to Oakland and he put on that silver and black, he said, I look good in this silver and black. But, you know, anyways, guys, those rookie cards are going to be out soon. You know, hopefully, you know, Josh Jacobs looks like he's really, really proud and happy to be a Raider. Uh, he's more than likely going to be our star running back. And Hunter Renfro, man. I mean, I'm telling you, something about the kit that's going to be special. You know, he's a late round, late round pick. He should be good. He should be good. He's going to be a solid number three. I think he, he'll be a solid number three behind Terrell Williams. And I, I'm over here acting like JJ Nelson is not going to be on the, not going to be on the squad and stuff. But anyhow, guys. They, uh, besides the fact of the uniforms and the rookie cards and all that, these two guys right here were showing off their quarterback arms, so to speak. I believe uh, Josh Jacobs was a backup quarterback, or a quarterback in high school, I believe. So, kid could throw, and so can uh, Hunter Renfro, and I can only see... Some of the uh, trick plays that we have coming out, you know. Renfro to, uh, or even Josh Jacobs, you know. We could see Derek Carr handing off the ball. And then here comes uh, Josh Jacobs with, you know, maybe a slant pat. <laughs> you know, just a slant and just throws it to AB real quick on uh Third and goal, you know, kind of a situation. Touchdown Raiders. <laughs> and here comes Josh Jacobs, Josh Jacobs or even Hunter Renfro with the, with some, uh, you know, special teams kind of a play, a little trick play. But anyhow, guys, that's what I got for the NFLPA premiere. But... Las Vegas Raiders Stadium update. Let's get serious real quick. So, there is word that, there's a rumor circulating, I should say, that the NFL, that the uh, Raiders Stadium, I should say, not the NFL, the, the Las Vegas Raiders Stadium is 44% done. And it will most likely not be done by 2020. It's been about 18 months or so since they broke ground. If you guys have not been to Las Vegas, the stadium is... I wouldn't say it's anywhere near done, but it's coming up. And you can totally see the steel uh, not so much being a skeleton anymore. And they're starting to... At the layers of the stadium that you would want to see. Like the top starting to come up. The top part of the stadium is looks like it's coming along. If you've been to Las Vegas, Nevada recently and you've even just drove by. You don't have to necessarily stop by the construction site. But you could see that it's coming along pretty well. The report is that it's 44% done. Not even 50% done. It's been about 18 months. From what I heard, it's it's 
uh, non-stop shifts happening. It's like three shifts, three to eight-hour shifts. So there's always somebody on the site uh, coming along and and making sure that stuff's, stuff's getting handled. You know, construction's going along. But 18 months, 44% done, and they still got about 15 more months to go until the date. Until they hit the date that there's, they want to hit for the stadium to be done and to be open before preseason of 2020 during the summer. Uh, do you guys think that we might be able to hit the, the stadium, the stadium due date? I think it will, but who knows? Maybe that's the whole reason why we put in that that deal and that option with Oakland that for the most part, it's going to be this upcoming year for sure. That's going to be the last year. And that we got a, uh, another year option. If the stadium is not built on time. Now, maybe the Raiders do know something that we don't know. And maybe they're hinting towards the fact that maybe they won't be done by 2020. And the actual stadium will be opened and ready to go 2021. Now, guys, it's not uncommon for stadiums to get pushed back a little bit. You know, for the most part, uh, the L.A. stadium for the Rams and the Chargers was supposed to be opened and ready to go by... I think 2018, 2019. And it got pushed back a year or two because of the uh, the rain and all the weather conditions that were happening towards 2016, 2017, if I remember correctly. So that's the reason why Inglewood got pushed back a year or two. It's not uncommon for things to get pushed back a year or two. I believe the set date this entire time was it was going to be open by 2018. 2020. I think that was the the date all along. From the time it, it from the time that the Raiders got the approval to make the stadium happen and from the day of breaking ground, it's always been 2020, summer 2020. So it's not uncommon for for us to for NFL stadiums to get a little bit of pushback. Now, you know, I've also heard about the money and the funds being uh kind of used up for majority of what the stadium economics was for you know funding the stadium but that's not necessarily our problem guys let's be real we're fans <laughs> the deal's done the, you know a lot of people want to look into the stadium financials and be like well can the stadium get halted and now we have to stay in Oakland and it's like Let's be real. It's what's done is done. We got we got the stadium deal. It's the the steel's being put up. Worst case scenario is twenty twenty one. We have the Las Vegas Raiders, but Las Vegas Raiders is happening, guys. So we could put to bed about anything about you know the financials not matching up and. Mark Davis and the organization are going to be well off once this uh, the stadium's complete. It's up and running. You know, you can argue and say that a Super Bowl is going to come to Las Vegas. 
And Las Vegas will argue with you <laughs> that they're going to duplicate the, the Super Bowl experience every home game for the next couple, next couple years because you're essentially going to have uh, an NFL team and the Raiders of all teams to help duplicate uh, a Las Vegas experience every single Sunday home game that they do in Nevada. It's going to be... I can I, I can only imagine how it's going to be. So, anyways, to digress real quick, guys, the uh, it might get pushed another year, but I, I totally foresee... 2020 still it's still opening now let's get into this real quick guys leonard williams the jets are openly shopping leonard williams defensive end leonard williams who we were really interested in 2015 draft when we picked up amari I remember there was talks about how Leonard Williams would come out and say he was a Raider fan. He grew up watching the Raiders and, you know, he wanted to get drafted by the Raiders. Of course, at the time, there was a lot of talks of the Raiders coming back to L.A. So maybe him being a Trojan, him probably growing up in Los Angeles was just like... I want to be with the LA Raiders kind of a thing. Especially if they do come back. But what like most Raider fans are, we don't really care what the city is. We're always gonna represent that silver and black. But anyways, guys, the Jets are in fact trying to shop him. They're open to any trade trade rumors or trade any trading value that they might get for Leonard Williams. Now, I don't know what the Raiders are exactly willing to give up for Williams or what we, what we would be able to trade for Leonard Williams. But defensive end is still... I wouldn't say it's a big need for us, but you know we don't necessarily know how uh, Cleveland Farrell will, will pan out. You know, we're hoping for the best and we believe in the kid because he's a our number four draft pick. But, you know, not saying that Leonard Williams is this proven winner either. But who knows, guys? Him wanting to be with the Raiders and the position needing to, needed to be filled the way it has since the clear map trade. You know, we don't know how this might pan out for us or for Leonard Williams. So I'm open to it. I'm pretty sure most of you would be open to Leonard Williams coming to the Raiders. That would be kind of nice to see. But hey, let's see how this all kind of pans out. And hopefully it's hopefully it's a good uh hopefully it winds up happening and hopefully we don't have to give up too much, I should say. But here are some Raider names. That we could be looking into cutting if we want to get any sort of free agents in the near future. One for sure, I would say 
is uh, I'm gonna just go through the list real quick of some some uh, players that we could save money and cap space for. Now, we would save approximately 1.15 million by cutting Grant, wide receiver Grant, and. Ryan Grant, as y'all mean, I, I don't know if you kind of recall Ryan Grant or not, but the kid's been with us for a couple seasons already, and we can actually save a good, a good, not a decent amount of cap cap space, but still one point fifteen million. That's still some cap cap space that we could get rid of. That you know. DeAndre Washington, running back. He's actually the fifth running back on our roster. Behind, of course, Josh Jacobs, who we just picked up. Uh, Doug Martin, who had a lot of carries and a lot of yards this uh, this past season alone. Uh, Chris Warren. Chris Warren, who we all want to see flourish. You know, I... I still feel like it's it's something that we haven't seen come to fruition yet. You know, Chris Warren could definitely put up some numbers for us in the future if we don't trade him or don't cut him. So hopefully he makes the 53-man roster. But, you know, DeAndre Washington was good while we had him, guys. But for the most part, he still hasn't, he still hasn't produced the way that we thought he was and you know, I remember us drafting him not too long ago, and you know, it was good while it lasted, kind of a thing. But I think it's time for us to move on. We're only going to be saving about uh, seven hundred twenty thousand dollars, which isn't a lot. But with the the loaded roster that we do, the plethora, I should say, of running backs that we got, I think it'd be a safe safe bet if we just uh, kind of cut him, save some cap space. Call it a day. Derek Carrier, tight end. Again, the the amount of we have about three tight ends that we still that we have that we could possibly do without guys. I mean, Jared Cook for the most part was our tight end. I don't know why we let him go, but if we are gonna pick up anybody, it should be Kyle Rudolph from the Vikings. And we'd be saving approximately 1.7 million if we cut Derek Carrier. I believe he had a good game against uh, Pittsburgh at Oakland, and he's not—he's not bad, but he's not great. He doesn't stand out. So I think that'd be—it'd be wise of us just to kind of let him go, and you know. Save some of that cap space, one point seven million. And if we were to cut Grant, that would be another two point something million. And it's just, it it would add up, guys. It would really add up if we kind of just cut some dead weight. Hate to say it like that, but uh, one person that I think that we should absolutely cut is offensive tackle, and that would be uh. 
He was a rookie last year. Brandon Parker. Excuse me, guys. Brandon Parker, we all know that he was really, really bad. Really bad this past season. We, uh, we drafted him last year. And we'd only be saving about, you know, $137,000 in cap space. We're not saving a ton of money, but given the way that he's performed, it's not it's not all that great. And I'll get a little bit into the offensive line before I, uh, I end the episode. But... You know, they, it, we already got pretty much our offensive line going right now. And he's, you know, I think I think we should cut him. Just not only save the money, but the dead wood, the dead weight. Better just to cut it. Uh, cutting full back, Keith Smith. Now, I know this is an L.A. station. And the guy grew up in Covina. Played for Charter Oak. You know. Went to San Jose, played his uh, college years there. Gets uh, drafted, I believe, by the Cowboys. And he plays with the Cowboys for a year or two, right? And then we picked him up. And he grew up an LA Raiders fan, all that good stuff. But from a football perspective, guys, we got a lot of spreading on the offense. And I believe that we can actually save about $1.5 million in cap space if we cut Keith Smith. You know, I'm not sure if Gruden's even really going to use a fullback still. Maybe maybe he might broaden his horizons and just kind of keep it simple with the running backs and the, uh, and the wide receivers that we got in place and still use a tight end. Hopefully we pick up a Kyle Rudolph kind of a thing, but... You know, we'd save some money, you know, right there. So maybe if we were to cut all these guys that we just kind of spoke about right now, we'd be saving a lot of money in cap space. And with the cap space we already got, we could possibly pick up a Kyle Rudolph or even a Leonard Williams and see what we, we would what we would do with the cap space that we would save. Now, I didn't really get to speak too much in depth about... Um, the offensive line, guys, one thing I want to talk about, about post-Donald Penn and the acquisition that we did with the uh, Trent Brown, the left tackle from uh, New England, sorry, <laughs> came from New England, you know, he was essentially the guy who protected Brady. I don't know, guys. The The one thing that, that kind of has me uneasy is the fact that uh, we put, we brought in a left tackle to play right tackle. And we're going with the, the rookie who we picked up last year from UCLA, Colton Miller. And he's going to be left tackle while the guy who played for the Patriots is playing right. Now, I spoke on it before how 
a left tackle playing right tackle is like a left hand left handed person trying to write with his right when he's clearly a left handed and he's not gonna be able to write cursive or write as pretty as he would, you know, writing with his right hand. With that being said, um you know, we paid I, I didn't say I did say that we kind of over overpaid for that that offensive tackle, but if we paid the kind of money that we did to Trent Brown to play right tackle, I mean, I, I just hope it all pans out, and I'm certainly not a football mind enough to say that you know Gruden made a mistake or he's making a mistake or he doesn't know what he's doing. I'm not one of these sit-at-home GMs that are saying, you know, oh, he should have done this, should have done that, you know. Time will tell whether that was a smart move to make, but I just still don't understand where the concept is behind paying a lump sum of a lump sum of money for a left tackle and then put that left tackle at right tackle and have this rookie who still needs to prove himself in guarding and save uh you know, protecting Carr. You know, Derek Carr is our most valuable piece in the offense. There, a protected Derek Carr will more than likely be a 2016 Derek Carr. If we could give him the essential protection that he needs, I believe that he's gonna he's gonna flourish and he's gonna have. An MVP caliber year. He has new weapons. He has Antonio Brown. As we all know. He has. uh, Terrell Williams. Now Hunter Renfro. Let's be honest guys. Even from last year. Just last year. You know we got rid of. Mack and Cooper and all this other stuff. But. We got a new face offensive line. Right. For the most part. The exception of. Uh. Gabe Jackson and, and and Rodney Hudson. We got a lot of new pieces. Well, and then last year we had uh, Colton Miller. But for the most part, it's a new face of an offensive line. For the most part, we got a new face uh, offensive uh, weapons for Carr. We got, you know, Antonio Brown, Terrell Williams, Hunter Renfro, uh, Josh Jacobs. A lot of these new pieces that are getting added to new face offense. And even if you look at uh, the defensive side of the ball, we got Brandon Brandon Marshall, Fontes Perfect. You know, a lot of these the 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 way that we drafted on offense and. The, the two of the top three picks from the the first round. Excuse me. <laughs> those those are gonna play big pieces in, into the defense. You know, Abram being the safety. We still don't know exactly what exact what exactly is gonna happen with uh, Carl Joseph. 
but we do know for for sure that you know our defensive end that we took at number four is going to be a big part of the the starting the starting lineup. So we don't know how everything's going to pan out, but we have a new look defense, new look offense. The offensive line is tricked out with new new guys, but you know, hopefully this is all going to pound out in favor for Derek Carr that the defense is doing their job, the offensive line is protecting him, and that his weapons produce. I believe that, you know, Derek Carr last year with the limited help that he had, he still had a pretty decent year. No matter what people say, the stats show it that, you know, he had an accurate ball that I talked about in the last episode. Yet, the most accurate deep ball in the NFL last year and 2016. So if he had that same, you know, kind of accuracy, whether the record was good or the record was bad, you know, whether the pieces around him produced or not, if this new face offense defense, if this new face Raider team really produces, I think Derek Carr can absolutely have an MVP caliber of the year. Uh, I still think that, you know, Josh Jacobs might be rookie of the, the year. I'm going to go out on the limb and say that he's going to be the rookie of the year. Because every, I think I talked about in the last episode as well, that, you know, most running backs that come out of the first round, past couple years. Zeke Elliott now, I know that he got into some legal issues recently, but um, that's that's him. But his foot, his football you know, performance has been, you know, really superb. And, you know, Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley, Saquon Barkley Barkley recently, you know, all these running backs that went on the first round past couple years have been producing, guys. Let's just say Josh Jacobs has high character. He looks like he wants to be here, wants to be a Raider. And uh, that's about it, you know. I got some uh, news that the ESPN just uh, put out right now as I was speaking. Vogel, head coach, is not concerned about kid. Lakers coach Frank Vogel won't be looking over his shoulder at new assistant Jason Kidd since he's an incredible assistant. So that literally just came out. Right now as I was talking guys. There's some breaking news for you guys. But anyhow. That's the uh, that's the podcast for today. I gave you guys almost about an hour of content. Hopefully you guys enjoyed. If you guys are still listening. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. And hopefully the next episode is more exciting. With more news. From Los Angeles. I am Northeast Los Angeles Raider. And... I'll see you guys next episode. Thank you very much.